Well, good morning. All right, so take your Bibles, whether that's printed or electronic, however you bring the Word of God with you. Grab that and uh, turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to get there in just a second. I want you to imagine with me, you are just standing there, and a person walks up to you, and they ask you this question. Hey, tell me something, I guess this would be a statement, tell me something unique about your life, like some experience that, that you had that was kind of cool or different or something like that. Now, imagine that just happened. What's in your head? I mean, you've got something, right? Some unique experience that happened. Or you might be thinking, my life is really boring and lame. I have nothing unique about my life. But you do. You do, you do, you do. Um, our family was privileged to live in Costa Rica for 11 months when we were um, becoming missionaries and trying to learn Spanish. And the emphasis there would be trying. But we were there <clears throat> for 11 months. Most of the time we lived in the concrete jungle. But I could tell some really cool experiences that we got to have, um, like when our family or when our parents came to visit, we got to go see some really neat things. But as I thought of that, my mind went to something else because a lot of people have been to Costa Rica. I mean, not everybody on the planet, but a lot of people have been there. But there's, there's this one experience that Teresa, my wife and I had, that I think may, maybe puts us in a club of two in the whole world. So we were on a mission trip with Crossroads Missions uh, in the late 90s. And uh, we were doing uh, just a lot of different things. And one day, I mean, it was a hard work day, and everybody's tired. And, and they said, we're going to go to a local pizza place. And we were like, yeah, I'll have pizza in Mexico. That sounds great. So we went to a, a local pizza place. Now, still, a lot of people have done this, right? A lot of people have eaten pizza in Mexico. But um, when we were there, we decided to try something new. The, for the very first time, Teresa and I ate Hawaiian pizza in Mexico. Now, there aren't very many people who have done that. I mean, it's just kind of a small group. But this is the thing that puts it over the top. About two years later, my parents generously took me and my, my two sisters, who were both older, even though they looked younger than me, they took us and our kids. We all went to Hawaii, and we had an amazing experience. And a lot of people have been to Hawaii. But they said, let's have pizza one night. We were like, that's an awesome idea. Now, this wasn't planned. We didn't even realize this until later. So for the very first time when we were in Hawaii, Teresa and I had Mexican pizza. That's right. I'm pretty sure we're the only two people on the planet who first experienced Hawaiian pizza in Mexico and Mexican pizza in Hawaii. Now, if that's not life-changing, I don't know what is. So what's the reason for telling that story? Here's, what, here's why I want you to hear that. It basically sets us up for this incredibly unique experience that Peter and James and John have. Of all the billions of people who have ever walked the planet, these three guys are the only witnesses, the only ones who get to see this amazing story about Jesus. So let's read about it. It's in Luke chapter 9, and it starts in verse 28. About eight days after this, uh, after Jesus said this, and the said this refers to what we talked about last week. Anyway, Jesus took Peter and James and John with him, and they went up to a mountain to pray. As he was praying, 
the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, have you ever heard anybody say, oh, when he was talking about his wife, he was just glowing. Or, you know, when, when uh, she was married and walked down the aisle, I mean, she was just glowing. Right? Have you ever heard anybody say that? We know what they mean, right? Well, this is real. This, these people start glowing. I mean, it really happened. And Jesus' clothing appears as, as bright as a flash of lightning. That's better than even Tide can do. I mean, it's amazing. And then suddenly Moses and Elijah appear, and they're glowing with Jesus. And Moses, I mean, Mo, this is Moses. Moses is great. He's like the guy through whom God gave the Jewish people the law. He's huge. And then there's Elijah, one of the most important, incredible prophets of the Old Testament. But there's Jesus. And he's greater than Moses. And he's greater than Elijah. In fact, he fulfills the law and the prophets. And here, we see Jesus in a brand new light. Literally, we see him in a brand new light. Jesus is greater than Muhammad or the Buddha or Brahma or Shiva or Vishnu or Joseph Smith, Mary Baker Eddy, the Dalai Lama. He's greater than any religious or political or military leader greater than any athlete or musician, greater than any celebrity or philanthropist, anybody past or present or future. He's greater than any person, any created being, any idol, or any false god. And in Revelation chapter 5, which, which echoes the words that we sang, we see a picture of the elders and the heavenly beings worshiping Jesus they say, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And then many angels, numbering 10,000 times 10,000, sang in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Jesus is worthy of all of that. And here in this story, we see how how. Jesus is changed back to who he really is. He's been kind of concealed, and now he is revealed as God. And we don't want to miss that. That is probably, in fact, definitely is the main message here. We need to understand that. Jesus is greater. We need to see what Luke is describing for us. But to be really, really honest, I think... The reality is, most of us would go, yeah, I know that. I get that story. I mean, I've heard it since I was a little kid, or I've heard this story before. I know it's called the transfiguration, and I don't know exactly what that means, but that's what it's called, and so we use that word. But, you know, I get it. I get that Jesus is greater, but what does that mean? Well, it means that we put everything in our lives under the lordship of Jesus. And again, that's the main message. And I don't want us to miss it. 
But I wonder if there might be another message for us that has to do with change that can happen in us. Not the same kind of change as Jesus, but following that same pattern. Is there, a, is there a message there? And I don't think we get that message as much with our eyes as, as we do with our ears. So when we look at this story, what do we hear? Well, first of all, we hear Jesus talking about significant things. Notice the first thing that Luke mentions is that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he goes off to talk using words with the Heavenly Father. Jesus prays. And when Jesus is moved to pray, God is moved to act. That's a great message for us. When we are moved to pray, God is moved to act. Jesus talks about that all the time. And God's going to act in his way and in his time. And, and in this story, while Jesus is still praying, God moves, like really moves. And Jesus begins to change. And Moses and Elijah appear. And they start talking. Well, what are they talking about? Maybe they're talking about this great banquet feast in heaven. And Jesus says to Moses, hey, how do you like the food in heaven? Do you like it? And Moses says, Absolutely. It is so much better than eating manna day after day after day. And Elijah jumps in. He says, yeah, well, guess what? It's, it's even better that the food is not delivered in the beak of a raven, which is really kind of gross. And I had to do that. So this is awesome. And they're talking about, you know, how, how this is an amazing feast and God prepared this great table, and how it doesn't matter how much you eat, you don't have to eat broccoli, because if you eat pizza, it turns to broccoli in your stomach, and your waistline doesn't get any bigger. That's what they're talking about. Food. Okay, maybe not. Now, don't misunderstand. There's nothing wrong with talking about food. In fact, anything that builds a bridge between us and people and then connects that bridge to God can be used. But Jesus and Moses and Elijah have a significant conversation. They discuss the things that are coming, that Jesus is going to Jerusalem, that he's going to die, he's going to be buried, he's going to be raised, and then he's going to leave the earth. The Holy Spirit is going to come. This is a significant conversation. And Jesus had just talked about those same kinds of things with the disciples. So here's the scene. Jesus is radiantly brilliant. And Moses and Elijah are glowing, and they're talking about significant things. And then, check out what happens. Verse 32. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. In other words, they saw Jesus in all of his glory, and the two men standing there with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, 
Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, or some translations say tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And I love what it says next. He had no idea what he was saying. He didn't know what he was talking about. Don't you love Peter? He's kind of like my hero, because I'm Peter. Like, I talk all the time. My family gets so tired of this. Teresa and I'll be driving down the road, and if there's like five seconds of silence, I just immediately start talking. Doesn't have to be about anything. In fact, it usually isn't. And for those of us who are just not thinking that silence is golden, but thinking that silence is awkward, we apologize to you. Because it drives you crazy. I'm so sorry. But doesn't that feel awkward? Like there was no talking right there. Peter sees Jesus in all of his glory. He sees Moses. He sees Elijah. He's never seen anything like this. And so Peter starts talking about tents. Let's build some shelters, man. It's going to be great. Now, to be fair to Peter, there's probably a reason he's thinking this. This is tied back to some Jewish tradition and some some festivals that God instituted, and he's just wanting to find a way to to glorify these guys and to give them honor. But you know what? What he's saying makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. And so Peter's talking, and God acts again. Look at verse 34. While he was speaking. So while Jesus is praying, God acts. While Peter is talking, God acts. A cloud appears and it envelops them. And they're afraid as they enter the cloud. And a voice comes from heaven and from the cloud. And it says, this is my son. I have chosen him. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, they found that that Jesus was alone. And then the disciples kept this to themselves. Peter doesn't know what to say, and he doesn't say anything. Because no one heard. They told no one at that time what they had seen. Here's what God says. Listen to Jesus. Peter's voice is interrupted by God's voice. Listen to Jesus. When human voices speak, but they're not making a whole lot of sense, or they're not providing any great contribution, listen for God's voice. It's going to break through the noise. It's going to bring purpose. It's going to bring positive things. And here, when God speaks into the chaos, into the, into the silence that Peter is interrupted. When God speaks, he has purpose. And he says, listen to Jesus. God the Father endorses Jesus the Son. Now, this isn't the first time this has happened in the book of Luke. Do you remember when, when Jesus was born, God sent the angels to, to claim the message, to tell the shepherds, Today, the Lord is born. 
And then when Jesus, about 30 years later, goes into the, the area that God wants him to go, that he would take on the purpose for which he came, and he is baptized, God speaks and says, this is my son. He endorses the ministry of Jesus as the angels spoke God's endorsement of Jesus as Lord at his birth. And then here, God speaks. He endorses Jesus. Once again, he says, this is my son. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. When popular opinion dismisses him, listen to Jesus. When political voices disagree with him, listen to Jesus. When people ignore or dishonor him, listen to Jesus. When, when his voice doesn't fit your preconceived ideas, listen to Jesus. When you want to make a positive impact in the world, listen to Jesus. When you want to have a purpose for your life, listen to Jesus. When every other voice is speaking against you, listen to Jesus. When you need to know that you are loved, listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. When you listen to Jesus, really listen to his words and listen to his word, you can't help but be changed. from the inside out. You have hope and joy and strength and love and peace and a purpose. When you listen to Jesus, you learn to become more like Jesus and you begin to talk about significant things. See, Peter is a great example of this change, this transformation. The guy who said, hey, let's put up some tents is the guy who stands up and gives the first message of hope for salvation that comes only through Jesus. The guy that denied who Jesus was, now that guy boldly stands and will talk to anyone whether they want to listen or not about Jesus. The guy who took a sword now takes a pen and he talks about Jesus. And I think the pen is mightier than the sword. Peter has changed. In the last verse it said, they didn't talk about it at that time, this experience that they had. Can, you kind of understand why, right? <laughs> and then they started glowing, dude. You know, 
Really? That sounds pretty weird. In his second letter, Peter writes about this experience on the mountain, about seeing Jesus in his glory and about hearing God's voice. This is what he says. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from his majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Peter is changed. Take the time to read what he says. His words of significance as, as they're recorded for us in the book of Acts and in his two letters. When, G, when Peter really began listening to Jesus, his life was completely changed. When, when Peter listened to Jesus, his words became significant. And that's what happens to us. Because God is working in us. See, God's kind, kindness draws us to him in repentance. And we surrender our lives and the Holy Spirit enters and we're changed. And our words can be powerful for good or bad. Proverbs 15.4 says, Kind words help and heal. Cutting words wound and maim. When our words are the words of God, there is great healing and help that comes to people's lives. God has a message of love for sinners, of rescue for the lost, of peace for the frantic, of hope for the hopeless, of healing for the broken. So we speak truth, we speak love, we speak hope, we speak life. You guys know that the world beats people down every day. So many people are wounded as they're walking. And so we need to use the words that bring help and healing, words of truth given in love, words of God's holiness, words of holiness that God's calling people to. Words of his love and mercy and his grace and his kindness. And it's not the only thing that leads people to repentance and life change, but it is true that the Bible tells us that God's kindness brings us to repentance. The idea is that God wants to connect with people where they are. He did that with Peter. He did that with me. But he wants to then take them and lift them up and, and change them and mold them into the people that he designed them to be. And that's what he did with Peter. That's what he's doing with me. That's what he's doing with you. And people need to hear that message. And amazingly, God uses us to share that message with them. Some of you will know this. There's an acronym 
form, F-O-R-M, that they teach people to use uh, in business, for example, to, to connect with people and have conversations. The F stands for family. So you would ask someone, hey, tell me a little bit about your family. I don't know much about you guys. Whether they're single, whether they have you know, 27 kids, I mean, it doesn't matter. Everyone has some sort of family story they can tell. What about occupation? That's what the O is. What does like a normal day look like for you? As if there's such a thing as a normal day, right? And the R is recreation. Okay, let's imagine you have a day. Money is no object. You can go anywhere. You can do anything. Uh, what would you like to do? What are the things that you enjoy? And then the M is the message. And then, again, in a business context, this is where you tell them about your product or your service or whatever it is, and you, you've had a good conversation, and now you tie the message in. Well, in our case, the message is Jesus. And it's wonderful. So, here's an idea. This week, try using the form method and see what God does through it. Here's a really good idea. Tonight, at 5 o'clock, when we go to the fall festival, you can try it out on people. You can try it out on each other. We can do that. Because there's going to be somebody there that you don't know, right? And you can start asking them questions. You're going to do this, all right? We're going to do this together, okay? So just when you do it, don't do it like this. Don't, don't go, um, hey, 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 uh, hey, tell me about your family. And they give you an answer, and you're like, Onomatopoeia, no. Occupation. Hey, tell me about your occupation. What do you like to occupy your time with? What things are recreational for you? Recreational person. Don't be awkward about it. You don't have to use, you know, this formula, but here's the idea, that you ask people to tell you a little bit about their story, and you listen, and you build a relationship with them. And because you have a relationship with Jesus, you build a bridge between the two. And the message is shared. And you have to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. If you're going to have multiple opportunities to speak with this person, it may not be the best thing to, to go through the FOR, you know, and go through, like, you know, oh, we're going to be rigid about this, and now let me tell you about Jesus, you know? I mean, maybe, maybe that'll happen. I don't know. But make sure that the M is, is where you're headed. Get to the message at some point. It might only be that you start with the R question, and then it leads just naturally to a connection to Jesus.
It might take multiple conversations. Just build a relationship with Jesus and then build a relationship with people and, and connect the two. Now, on November 14th, I don't like to do this, but I want everybody to say November 14th. Like, actually say it out loud. I know it's annoying, but let's all say it together. November 14th. November 14th. One more time. November 14th. In this room, we're going to have a, a wonderful opportunity for you to build a bridge, to, to, to have a relationship with somebody that you just you invite to this uh, concert, to this event. And it'll just be a natural way for you to connect. Everybody likes to laugh, and everybody likes good music. And those two things are going to be happening in this room. So let's watch just a really brief promo about this called Music and Mayhem. I've been dreaming about your face Get lost and obsessed in your embrace Just one more kiss for me It'd be a tragedy if you stop there Wouldn't be fair She asked me questions Questions that I do not know the answers to, because they are questions that no man has ever known the answers to. Deep, probing, impossible questions. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> I'm a guy, I'm thinking nothing. <laughs> So Music and Mayhem is coming November 14th here in our room. John Brandon, this will be his third time to be with us. He's the comedian. And this Michael O'Brien man. Didn't he, I just was like, oh, man, his voice. That was pretty awesome. It's going to be a great opportunity for you to just be here. But I want to challenge you to do what Teresa and I are doing. We're, we're buying tickets for ourselves, and then we're buying extra sets of tickets, and we're asking people on our court, people who are our neighbors, to come. Would you do that? I mean, you can invite my neighbors, but it'd be better to invite yours. Just be here and bring some people with you. This night can build a bridge. It can lead to significant conversations that you have with people. The story of Jesus on the mountain it is this transfiguration, as we call it, is obviously about Jesus and his glory and who he is. He is greater than anyone in human history. And the change that these guys see in Jesus is glorious. It, it's radical. It comes from the inside out, and it shows Jesus for who he really is. And I think that people that truly listen to Jesus are similarly changed, meaning that it's a, a glorious and radical transformation from the inside out by God's love and his power and his grace. And it changes us into the people we were originally designed to be. If we let the Holy Spirit direct our words, even an experience about pizza can be a bridge to a significant conversation. You have the words of 
life, the apostles said. Where else will we go? And Jesus has given us those same words. And he says, would you please talk about significant things, especially me, with other people? You can bring hope and life and truth and joy and peace and grace and purpose. You can bring Jesus to the people around you. Listen to Jesus. Hear the stories of people and connect the two. Jesus is greater than anyone or anything. And Jesus talks about significant things. So we need to listen to Jesus. Because people who listen to Jesus talk about significant things. Would you pray with me? God, give us the faith to trust what you say, that your word is is true, and that it truly does change us. Remind us that you've broken through this dark chaos and the babble of people's opinions. And you've spoken and you've restored your original design for our lives. So help us to listen to Jesus. And help us to listen to the stories of the people around us And then help us to build a bridge with words that bring healing and hope to them, reflecting the healing and hope that you've brought to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.